0: Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. Good morning. You can speak. I love that. I I was training some leaders here with Carl and it, it, it took a day before I knew they could speak. You're speaking immediately. I love that. Uh, my name is Kel. Don't try to understand how anyone invented that name. It's just my name. I'm married to Sarah. We have four children. We live in Aarhus, which is a typical university city, like we see them all over Europe. Our city takes about 300,000 people, I think, and uh, many similarities with this city, although that this city is much more beautiful than our city, obviously. Uh, especially the, ca- the castle, I really love seeing that. And I have to um, to tell you, Carl never saw it. <laughs> so you have to keep him responsible here to see the castle. It's an amazing thing. Uh, it's, it's, it's a funny thing to be a guest speaker. Uh, I remember years ago we had a speaker from England, and uh, he was a vicar in the Church of England. He was in a kind of renewal, kind of new wine, kind of conference in Denmark, uh, and he came up, and as he began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon him, so he began to shake and do stuff like this. And he constantly said, I'm a normal Englishman. I'm a vicar in the Church of England. I'm totally normal, and nobody believed him. So when I saw that, I said, Lord, never ever call me into a ministry of traveling. But he did that anyhow. You know how he is. Carl told me that you were working on a kind of series on workplace. That's right? Yeah. Yeah. And that this morning, he wants me to speak with you and um, discuss with you about being a leader and leadership, whatever workplace, whatever context in which you find yourself. And um, it's interesting about leaders. If there's one thing you know about a leader, a leader makes change. A leader makes a change. A leader is a person who sees something and thinks it could be done differently. And sometimes, the result of that kind of thinking ends in a very bad place. But anyhow, it's a sign that you and I have a leader within us that when we see stuff, we say, oh, this could be done differently. What if someone did this to this local community? Or you're on your workplace and you see a colleague or a group of people or whatever it is, and you think something could be changed here. Leaders makes change. Say that to your neighbour, leaders make change. It might be good change, it might be bad change, but it's changed anyhow. And the problem about leaders is that if we don't do that, we end up doing very bad stuff. Because God put that in us to lead. And you might sit here and think, I do not have a leadership position in my workplace. And I'll say to you, maybe you are leading yourself and another person. So that person will experience a change in their life, and then you are a leader. So we're having that broad perspective of leadership here. Leader, leaders is a God-given thing that will make change for the good of something. That's what a leader does. In in 1982, uh, a man, he's called Lawrence Richard Walters, he was out in his garden uh, having a vacation, I think, time, and he was just relaxing in the summer. He lived in Los Angeles, and he was bored, and uh, it came to his mind, I'll try to fly. I do not have an airplane, but I will try to fly anyhow. So he had this um, lawn chair, is that what you call them, lawn chair? So he went to a, a military supply store and bought some helium balloons and some helium, and he began to inflate them with his girlfriend and tied them to the lawn chair. And when his plan was to fly up about nine meters, at 30 feet or something above ground, to be like in that summer and watch over his house and the neighborhood and just be there, and, and idea, he, brought a, he brought a pellet gun with him so he could begin to shoot the helium balloons, to, 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 to receive the right elevation level. So him and his girlfriend made that going, and he went up, and he went very, very fast up. And he ended up being in 15,000 feet high. So he went into what is called controlled air force base. So the, uh, the homeland security system in America was alarmed, and you know how that works. And nobody could see on the radar what that thing was. It looked, they had never seen a thing like that in the air that high. This happened in 82. It's a true story. And uh, they send up uh, probably a helicopter, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever air force uh, they send up. And the story goes that the pilot who came up in the air to see what that thing was saw that man sitting there like this, sat <laughs> down to the control center. You won't believe what I tell you now. And the story ended that he got over Long beats and he went close to LAX, the airport there, and they got him down. And, and uh, obviously CNN came and, and, and spoke to him and said, why on earth did you do that? And he said, I just had to try it. I just tried it. I could, it could you know, there's something in him. He wanted to make a change, try something out, do something that has not been done before. And that's what inner leader... And I'm glad you are here today and not in your lawn chair trying to get up over Edinburgh. One of the most Danish people in scripture uh, is Moses. You didn't know, you thought he was Jewish, but he is Danish. And we are going to see in his life story three principles of leadership today. So please, guys, grab your Bible or your tablet or whatever you brought with the scripture. And look up in chapter 2 in, in Exodus. See, Moses was born as a slave, but through different circumstances, as many, many of you will probably know the story. He ended up posh. He, he, he was moved into the well-off, most influential family, maybe in the world in these days, Pharaoh's household and uh, so he got access to the best possible education wealth we can't imagine it was a cultural political military power center of that the world of that of these those days in that time so moses now is raised in this very very special family that has access to all kind of resources but he carries in him, another identity, an identity of the people of God. And, and the scripture tells us that when he, when he had grown up, and we know from New Testament that he was 40 years old, so, so grown up means 40 years old, which means that I just grew up because I'm 40, 42. So he was grown up, and scripture tells us this, Exodus 2, chapter uh, Exodus 2. Chapter 2. Uh, verse 11 sorry one day after Moses had grown up he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor he saw an egyptian beating a hebrew one of his own people glancing this way and that <clears throat> and that and seeing no one he killed the egyptian and hit him in the sand the next day he went out and saw two hebrews fighting he asked the one in the wrong why are you hitting your fellow hebrew the man said who made you ruler and judge so was are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought what I did must have become known. See Moses had in him a leader. And it was it was it was woken up that that day when he saw something that had to change. He saw how badly his people were treated and something in him stirred up and it was a God-given thing in him but it was a wrong strategy. He had a vision but his strategy was to kill people. That's a bad strategy, isn't it? It could be very Scottish, I think. And it was Danish when the Vikings were there but they left and we're not really killing people anymore now. So he had, he had a God-given, a God-given holy Discontent. He knew this has to change. And that's the first principle of leadership from the story of Moses. There's something that must change. It just had to change. I can't live with it unless it changes. When I was um, 18 years old, I grew up in a Christian family, traditional church going in the state church of Denmark. My parents were believers. We prayed and stuff. And, and I just, I began as a teenager to read scriptures myself. And I discovered that after the Gospels, there were some letters. And it's in these letters, I found material where I said to my parents, what happened to that material? I never heard that. I never heard that people can have a spiritual gift or something. What happened to that? And something in me began to stir up. So when I was 18, I got the fantastic vision that any Christian church, organization, whatever, in, my, in, my, in the region where I lived, we should make a festival together. So we could show the world that there are Christians here who meet up and does stuff. So I organized that myself. And uh, I got all kinds of people working with me. Uh, I don't really... Th- I don't really think they felt they were working with me, but I got, I got it going anyhow. And we had that festival. And I still remember the week after the festival was gone, feeling, what came out of this? Maybe it was not the right strategy, but the urgency that stirred up in me was absolutely from the Lord. What is it in your life that you cannot live with? if it doesn't change in your workplace in your neighborhood in this city in this nation when you see it on the news when you see it on the streets when you go to work it just ha- it, it must change what is it? that's the first question based on the first principle of leadership that's where leadership begins something has to change and Moses he carries this, but he had the wrong strategy, so he didn't know what to do. So he just escaped. He knew he would be killed by Pharaoh by killing the, that, um, that slave guard. So he escapes into the desert. He gets, he finds a wife, he gets a new family, and he ends up taking care of his father-in-law's sheep you know, that's not really a career move, is it? You are the prince of Egypt, and suddenly you are leading 20 sheep in a desert with a man you don't really understand. So Moses is still carrying it, but over time it dies. Uh, Moody, the great Bible preacher Moody, who was preaching the Bible all over the world, he said about Moses' life that it has three stages. The first is built, say that, built. The next state is broken, broken. And the third state is blessed, blessed. Built, broken, and blessed. And Moody says, that's a journey of any leader again and again. So he was built up in that educational center of that known world these days. He, he was led into the desert, he had to escape, he had the wrong strategy, he had the right calling, but the wrong strategy. And it was almost like the Lord had given him something that he took back again. And I think, and Stephanos tells us in the New Testament that this was 40 years later. After 40 years in the, in the desert, probably he could not even connect with his calling. He could not connect with the thing that had to change. He's just given up. He was so broken. He, he saw no way of getting in, connecting, and acting out the calling on his life. So, suddenly, after 40 years, the Lord turns up again. And we are in chapter 3, verse 7. And there's a burning bush. And and, and Moses has become so slow by being in the desert. So this is how he responds when he sees a burning bush. He says, I will go over and see this strange sight. He's talking to himself and the sheep probably. Why the bush does not burn up? It's almost like he, he's not getting it. But he, he goes close and suddenly he hears the Lord's voice. And the Lord says to him, Moses, the thing that has been on your heart that my people has to be freed is on my heart as well. And it has been it all the time. The, the thing, in, the thing in, in your heart, Moses, that, that where you think it has to change it's on my heart as well. That's what the Lord says to him. And I'll have, I will now come and do and do it, and I will do it with you. And here it is revealed how Danish Moses was. So here's a man who's been waiting 40 years to fulfill the calling, and when the Lord really turns out powerfully, this is his response. But Moses said, verse 11, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? I'm just a Danish, erates, person. I'm a normal Englishman, so to speak. I, I'm, who am I? How on earth should this be possible? But the Lord He does not give up on Moses. I will be with you. And but Moses continues the dialogue. This is how, how we do in Denmark. We discuss and discuss and discuss. But if what if this happens? What about my insurance if this happens? And the dialogue continues. And chapter four, was one, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? This is just your idea. Kel, this is just you who had an idea about chains in your nation. It's not we of the Lord. It's just your mind that cheats you. So Moses is so he's so normal, he's so human, isn't he? How can it be me? He's saying, Lord, why, do, why don't you call that guy? He's, mot, he's a much better speaker than I am, or am much better leader, or much better whatever than I am. Take another one. And when the Lord moves Moses into the next principle, and it, it goes like this. Moses, shut up and listen now. What is in your hand? What is in your hand? And Moses looks. It's a staff. He, he was a shepherd, you know. He he had that staff always. He was probably sleeping with it. It was just p- almost part of his personality. So the Lord say says to Moses, "What is in your hand? What is in your everyday life that is so terribly normal to you, and not something special to even think about?" Because if you give that to me, it can make a very important change for the people of God. It can change everything. And Moses does not really buy into it. So the Lord changes his staff to a snake and to show him he can do powerful things with whatever we have in our hands. So here he comes with the next principle for you as leaders, you and I. what. Is in your hand, but by which you are going to make the change that is, that is living in you. So, principle number one, where do you want to see change? Principle number two, what is in your hand that God has given you? And you might even th- not think about it as something special because that's just how you are. And the Lord says, it is something special because I'm very special and I can use it for for make the change if you give it to me. What is in your hand? Some of you has financial capital to a higher extent than anyone else. This in your hand. You might be a clever businessman or whatever. Some of you will have a very natural way of relating to other people. And your leadership will be released that way. Some of you just know that when you are around older people or children or any specific group, you know how to act and spend time with them. And or some of you might have a hobby. Let's say you're trekking or biking or whatever you do in Scotland. And if you give that to the Lord anew, he will use it to make a change in other people's life. You don't even think about life because that's just you. I mean... This, this staff, this very normal thing becomes in the hand of Moses under the power of God the thing that later in the story splits the waters and saves the people. That's the power of what has been given in your hand that you think is very normal and not something special. So question number one, where do you want to see change? Question number two, what is in your hand? A way we often in our church think about what is in our hand is what New Testament called the gift of the Spirit. So some of you has in your hand as a part of how the Lord made you the gift of the evangelist you just find it quite easy to be with people who are not disciples of Christ and you find it quite boring to be here today. You're sitting there sleeping now. Because you're an evangelist. So you actually prefer to spend spend time outside church and not in the church. Some of you has the gift of listening to God prophetically. I mean, we can all hear from him, but you just have it as a, as a kind of thing that comes natural to you, and you can continue the list of gifts that the Lord has given you that is in your hand. And if you give it to him as a leader, he can use it to make a change in whatever context the gifts were not given just to be used in the temple today. The gifts were given to you to be used wherever you are to extend the kingdom of God and make a change. For the good of other people. One of my elders in my church is a very skilled doctor. He's one of the key specialists in cancer treatment in Denmark. He accidentally, years ago, discovered that there specific kind of cancer diseases, where the health or recovery rate is much, much higher in Australia than in Denmark. And in many ways, you could compare the wealth of these two places. So, he just began knocking doors as a doctor to say, See, in Australia, they have much more people surviving this kind of cancer than we have. What do we do wrong? And when Danish people began to discuss it and discuss it, I forget it again. But he, he kept moving. And he ended up studying in Australia. And now he, he has changed the whole way cancer surgery. and and treatment is done in in his department in that hospital. He had had an urgency for change. He just kept knocking doors. He wanted to see it happen and he used whatever God has given him to do it. I don't care whether he plants a mission or community because he has been given higher influence than than a mission or community I lead in his workplace, by making chains. Finally, many years after, we meet Moses again. He has now been, he has now been taken by the Lord out of the brokenness and into the blessed season. He is, has been leading the people of God out of slavery into freedom. He has made an enormous change. That man who said, who am I? Had been put into a leadership position, representing a power much bigger than the power of the household of Pharaoh. And the people of God are not easy to lead. Oh, we want to go back to Egypt. At least we had a little food there. And the Lord said to him, it's not a problem. There'll be food waiting for you every morning. Just go out of your tent and eat it. You know, you know the story, my nephew. And Moses is beginning to lead the people of God. And finally, his, his father-in-law comes to him. And visits him and see the amazing journey Moses has taken. And when he says this to you, he was a very wise man. Moses, if you continue to operate like you operate now, lead like you lead now, you will die by exhausting. exhausting. You'll be exhausted. And the people around you will be exhausted. So Jethro, his father-in-law, says to him, Moses, unless you make a huge change, you will be exhausted. You have to to build a team. You have to begin to delegate. See, the people of God were lining up in front of Moses to have him discern every single case, every conflict. Any leadership issue was brought to Moses. And his father-in-law said, Moses, you are a stupid man. Years ago, I was on a conference, just as a participant, a Christian conference, and then in the, during the conference, I had a dream one night where I saw myself meeting up with a leader like Carl. It was not Carl. I didn't knew him those days. But it could have been or another leader. It's not the case. It was another leader. And I saw myself in that dream meeting up with that leader who was a leader who was much more experienced than me and say to him, like Jesus said here, if you continue to work like you do, you will die, physically die by it. And next morning I said, Lord, I had this dream, what a silly dream, I won't tell that to anyone, I'm a Danish man, who am I to tell that to anyone? That will kick me out of the conference. So I went down to the conference on the morning, the next day of the conference, and I walked in the door, and a lady came up to me and said, oh, I don't know you, but I I I had a word for you from the Lord, I'll bring it on. She said, you had a dream this night and you're going to do what the Lord told you. Thank you. <laughs> so helpful. So shaky with my hands. The Lord has given something in my hands. So shaky. I, I, I took the phone and called that guy and said, can, can we meet? I have something to talk with you about. We could maybe meet on a cafe, have a coffee, have fun, blah, blah. And the story ended the way that I, I went to him like Jehosh did with Moses and said this to him. And the guy said to me, Kel, I want you to know that two weeks ago, another person said exactly the same to me. So, this is what happens to Moses here. A guy comes and speaks the truth to an experienced leader. Unless you change the way you function and build the team, you won't bear the fruit into into the future, to the next generation, because you'll, you'll, you'll be gone one day. And who's then leading it? So, that's the last and third principle built. A team. Build a team. Get other people around you. So the first thing is, what is in your heart where you want to see a change? It stirs up. You have your holy discontent. Next thing, what has God given to you in your hands by which you can begin to move and make the change by giving it to the Lord? The third question is, Are you beginning to build a team, do it with other people, getting other people around what you're called to do, who share in on your calling, and who can learn from you and you can learn from them? See, this is the word, the last thing here, to the experienced leaders in this room. What, who will do what you do today if you die tomorrow? Some of you have heard about Maersk, that huge, huge shipping company that is so known from Denmark. The founder died a few years ago. And he, even though he was very old and retired, he walked around in the, in the offices of Maersk and he would say to leaders, Who do what you do tomorrow if you die today? He was that kind of a leader. But he kept asking people that. That's about building a team, that's about passing it on. And see, two things can prevent us from doing that if we are experienced leaders, so this is a word to you who are an experienced leader here. One thing is you don't want everyone to see that what you can do, anyone can do. You want to be the Gandalf, the magician, the special leader who comes in. And honestly, a few of us in this room re- identifies with what I say here. We want to be, this, to be the star of the game. So honestly, we don't really want everyone to see that what we, have been, what we can do, anyone can learn to do. Or the other thing is, you say, who am I that anyone could learn anything from me? Or you want to be in control, like Moses. He wants to keep the control, have everyone lining up. I don't think the thing for him, he wanted to be the star. He was so tired, he just wanted to be in control. Whatever it is that prevents you from passing on to the next, to the team, to to the people following you, get it done. Pray about who those people are, who's going to be on your team, who's going to do tomorrow what you do today. Take take Paul, I mean, the, the Apostle Paul, the most innovative missionary in the history the writer of a huge part of the Bible, the New Testament. Even Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 15, I primarily passed on to others what someone passed on to me. That's what the word tradition means. Tradera in Latin. You pass on what people learn you. I mean, here's Paul, that brilliant, innovative developer of Christology and theology, for pagans who were not Jews. He is saying I primarily just pass on what people taught me. That's what he's saying. Okay, let's stand and pray together. Three questions. Some of you this morning hear the Lord speaking to you in the first question. Where is your holy discontent? What has to change? That's the question for you this morning. Some of you in this room say, yeah, that's true. There's something I see. I want. I I cannot see how it can happen, but I want it to happen. I'll pray for you in a moment. The next group is all all the one of you who knows where you want to see the change. But you don't know, you have known it for a season, but you don't know how to use your staff, or you need to retake re, the staff again, the, the thing you know God has given you, and use it anew, use it again, use it afresh. Maybe you have a bitterness in your heart, or disappointment with the people, or you just, whatever happened, take up your staff again. Or if you don't know what your staff is, we will ask the Lord to anoint you right now with whatever it is so you do know. And the third group is the one who are, it's all of you who are experienced leaders who know I'm going to increase my team now. I'm going to lead more people. I'm going to get that team together. I'll pray for all of you. So please when I pray for each group just just raise your hand where you are. Can you do that in Scotland? Yes. Let's just try it all of us so we know it works. It works, see, it works in Denmark, it works all over the world, isn't it amazing? Okay, let's close our eyes. This is about the Lord and each of us. Jesus, some of us this morning, is reconnecting or connecting for the first time with Holy Discontent. We, we, we see things now that has to change in our neighborhood, in our workplace in the way things are done, whatever it is for the good of other people. Please raise your hand if that's you, if that's where the Lord is speaking to you now. Yeah, that's good. Come on, raise your hand. Sorry about this. Carl can explain it later. Mm. Lord, I pray now for an anointing of the Spirit for the people raising their hands now so they will know that this is not just their, their thinking. Idea, this is you stirring up something in them that will make change for the good of other people in this city, in this nation. Bless them, Lord. Amen. The next group, Lord, I pray for the next group, the people in this room who knows. What they want to see change, they have been begin maybe to walk in it and work in it, and the need to take the staff or know what the staff is. And you have spoken to them again about this 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 morning. Just raise your hand. It it, it has become clear for you this morning what your staff is, and you take it up as brave hearts. And you say, yes, Lord, I will take my staff. It's a very normal thing for me, but I'll do. Just raise your hand. Yes, come on, Lord. Come, Lord, we pray for an anointing of the Holy Spirit for the people standing with the hands so when they use a staff, it will divide the waters so people are saved, People, are, good things are happening to people, workplaces improve, schools improve, neighborhoods improve, whatever it is, They raise their hand for the good of other people in whatever workplace or context they find themselves. Bless them, Lord. I pray for this very week when they come to the workplace or the studies or where they are, they'll begin to use the staff and they will see you working wonderfully and miraculously in their situation. As normal as they feel themselves, this is what you're going to do. Yes, Lord. And I pray finally... For the group of you who are experienced leaders who know it's time to increase your team, it's time to call new people into the game, it's it's time that you reproduce what God has given you in other people, raise your hand. It might not be very Scottish to say this, but if you're an experienced leader and you know this is you, just get up with your hands. Yes, Lord, I pray for the experienced leaders here who know it's time to call more people, train more people, Gather the team around an existing frontier, a new one, in whatever workplace, whatever context it is, whatever neighborhood, for the chains to come in a specific setting. You know what it is, Lord. I, I, I pray that as we stand here, they'll begin to see faces in front of them, picking up on people you show them in spirit now, so they even leave this worship service and know I'm going to call that person, I'm going to text that person, I'm going to encourage that person I'm going to invite that person into my team and I pray for any bitterness in heart that can come over years of experience that these people will just step out of the desert and into ministry again with an increase of people influenced by them for the good of other people I pray for workplaces to have teams where people think, oh, what an amazing team. There must be something about that team that is different or that leader. He loves people. He takes care of people. He challenges people. Or she does. How about that? That's amazing, Lord. I pray for that to happen. Come on, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit.